0: This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 223, and I'm talking with Natasha Wodak. Natasha is a returning guest on the show. She was actually on the podcast back in March of 2017, so almost three full years ago. She recently broke the Canadian record in the half marathon in a time of 69.41 at the Houston half marathon. And if you haven't already listened to my first episode with Natasha way back when, she was episode 55. We get a little bit deeper into her story In that podcast episode, this conversation, we get way more into what's going on right now in her life with that half marathon Canadian record that she just broke. But Natasha is also the 10,000 meter record holder in Canada with a time of 31.41. She's a 2016 Olympian in the 10,000. She's a 17 time national team member and a 2019 Pan Am champion. Natasha is one of those interviews that is always really fun. She's easy to talk to. She's really passionate and excited about what she's doing. And that totally jumps out at you when you have this conversation. All right, everybody, this podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions Podcast Network, a network that I started last summer. I'm really excited about it and really proud of the work we are doing. There are two other shows in the podcast network. One is the Up and Running Podcast. My friend Lauren Flores is the host over there, and she recently added a permanent co-host, Abby Stanley. They give you the latest news in elite and professional distance running every Tuesday, and then every other Friday, she has a catching up episode where she talks with an elite or pro runner. She's also doing a really exciting little series leading up to the trials where she's interviewing both male and female athletes competing, five males and five females. The other podcast in the Sandy Boy Network is the Illuminate podcast. I host that podcast with a few of my friends here in Indianapolis, and we take turns hosting, interviewing different people, doing really cool things around the world. If you have not given that podcast a shot yet, give it a shot. I know a lot of you are here for running, but this is a whole different kind of podcast. And it is sharing stories of those who are illuminating the world around them and doing good in the world. My first conversation was actually with my friend George, who... Founded an organization called Building Tomorrow, and they build schools in Uganda. Some other episodes that I recommend. If you are a parent, make sure you listen to episode 15 with Wendy Snyder. We talk about positive parenting. If you are a fan of the Enneagram, if you know anything about that, we've got an episode with Ian Morgan Cron. We've got an interview with a sex therapist, a dietitian. Episode 17 is with Lindy Johnson with America's Kids Belong advocating for kids in the foster care system. And then this week I'm excited. I'm putting out an episode with Carrie Moore. She works at Exodus Refugee Immigration and she shares with us what they do there and how we can be welcoming and help those who have come to our country to resettle what we can do to take action, be a welcoming community and help people resettle right here in America. So again, that's the illuminate podcast. All right. Enjoy my conversation with Natasha Wodak. Well, today on the podcast, we have a returning guest, Natasha Wodak. Welcome back to the show, Natasha.
1: It's good to be back.
0: You were on the show in March of 2017. I had to go back and listen to, to hear all that we covered, and I cringed a little bit listening to my interview style, but um, <laughs> I'm so excited three years later to have you back. There's a lot to catch up on.
1: Yes, it's been a pretty exciting last three years. Um, And we can get into some of that stuff in the next, I don't know, 50 minutes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, you just had a huge weekend. Congratulations on the Canadian half marathon record and a huge personal record for yourself.
1: Thank you so much. It's been something I've been working towards for so many years. I mean, every year at the beginning of the year, I write down um your goals right like a lot of us do us runners we write down our goals and always I have in there break the Canadian half marathon record and it's just been getting harder and harder like Lanny broke it a few years ago and then Rachel broke it twice so I'm like ah it's just getting harder and harder but I never you know took it out of my plans and I was always like no I'm I'm gonna get that I'm gonna get it so I'm glad that it finally worked out the timing worked everything came together on one day so Um, I'm very, very happy, very happy.
0: 69 41. That was massive. At what point in the race were you like, I'm a doing it and B I'm for sure. Breaking 70.
1: Not until I saw the, um, (laughs) I mean, you never know. Like there was, you know, there was a a lot of girls in that group with me that at 15 K were still there that didn't run sub 70. Mm -hmm. I mean, anything can happen. I always say in those last three miles, right? Like it, the whole race starts there. And so I knew that no matter how well I was doing or how great I was, I could hit the wall and basically lose 20 to 30 seconds in two or three K. So I'm very fortunate that I was able to maintain my pace for the most part. I mean, it was really windy from 14 to 20 K. So we did lose time there, but we had given our, you know, I'd given myself a cushion by going through halfway a bit quicker than, um i had written down where i needed to be so
0: wow so yeah tell us what the record was before it was 11006 okay so you beat it by a solid 30 seconds yeah 25 seconds 25 so, seconds yeah yeah
1: you know it depends are we going with chip time or gun time <laughs> right
0: i know cuz you guys have to go by
1: gun time don't you yeah i actually um emailed the director of athletics canada to ask if na- our national record was chip time or gun time, cause it's a two second difference. Yeah. He confirmed that yes, it is gun time, which I do understand, but you know, it's tough when you're at these races and like I started six or seven rows back. Yeah, You know, I'm, I'm standing next to Molly huddle and I'm like, well, <laughs> who's back here for goodness sakes. I'm not trying to work my way up there. So.
0: <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. Talk to us about the, the pack that you ran with. There were so many of those, um, You know, you came in right in that pack of American women that that broke 70. So talk to us about running with that pack and what your race looked like.
1: Yeah, you know, there was, I ran actually with a few different packs throughout the race. Um, I was fortunate in the technical meeting to be sitting next to um, a gentleman named Joey. Uh, Shout out to Joey. I don't know his last name, but he was actually pacing the men's marathon 219 group. Oh. So I said to him, I said, oh, I said, well, what? Is that and he's like oh you know about 1630 ish per 5k maybe a little quicker and i was like that is perfect so i said could i like tuck in until you guys split off he's like absolutely and he was so great and like when i saw him in the race he was like you know like tuck in and like and i did i just like i literally ran right behind him in that pack of guys until they split off at 12 and a half k and they took us through in 1622 and 1623 through those two 5k's which was I mean, perfect. And so there was a big group there, and I, you know, I knew there was other girls around. Like Rachel Cliff, my fellow Canadian who had the Canadian record, was next to me. Uh, my good friend Sarah Inglis from Scotland was right behind me, and um, you know, there was then Laura Thweet was there, and I talked to her before the race. It was like, let's you know try to work together to run sub 70. So there was lots of support in there. And when the when the guys split off at about 12 and a half kilometers. Um, I found myself sort of in the lead of that new pack of whoever was running the half and next to Laura. And so, you know, we were kind of tr- – we saw the other American girls up ahead, so- and that included uh, Molly Huddle, Molly Seidel, um, Alephine, and I believe the girl in the white, I think Katie Jurgen Is that no, how – Katie Germann. Germain, Sorry about that. Yeah. I didn't recognize uh, her. Um, and then probably Lindsay Flanagan. I- Lindsay – you know what? Well, I don't remember seeing her until the last mile. Yeah, she she came. I think I don't know where she was behind me. I think or in that group with me. Okay, I can't really recall, but I know that 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 the group with Molly Huddle was about 50 meters ahead at 12 and a half k, and we you know there was a this. Guy that came by, and I was like, I gotta go. We gotta latch onto this guy and get up to those girls. And that's what we did. And I went around this guy, and I saw the girls around 14 or 15K, and I was like, you've got to get up there. It's so windy. And so I started to make a move to get latch onto these girls. And I was like, Sarah, to my friend Sarah. <laughs> Sarah, and she's like, I'm here. So that was, you know, I was, cause we had all we'd said we were gonna run sub 70 together, and. I knew how fit she was and I knew if I, she needed to, she needed to move. We needed to get on that pack. So that's what we did and got up to those girls and ran in that pack. And I was like, man, I'm running with Molly Huddle. This is so cool. (laughs) She's like an idol of mine. I mean, she's amazing. So, um, it was great. And we, you know, we had that, that pack of girls and to work together. And then, um, and that, and then out of nowhere comes, a local Vancouver guy, Tony Tamish, who is a coach here in Vancouver, who I know, he comes by and starts leading our pack. And I'm like, Tony, like you're my hero. Like it was amazing. (laughs) You know, like, you're like, what? There's like someone from home that's just all of a sudden there to take us through the wind. Cause it was pretty gusty wind in that part. It was, um, it was pretty tough. I stopped looking at my watch. I was like, I just need to, you know, focus. And then, yeah, we had him and he, uh, he just, Kept pushing the group, and I tried to stay on them, and I tried to stay with that group. And then it all in the last mile, it's all kind of a blur. Uh, some girls went ahead, some girls fell behind. I was just doing what I could. Um, and when I saw the clock, I was like, "Oh yes, I did it! <laughs> I, did it. And I thought I was going to cry and puke." At the same time. <laughs> but yeah, it was um, it was extremely emotional.
0: Yeah. yeah. What does that look like with Rachel being in the race since it was her record? Did were you guys running with each other, or were you ahead of her the whole time?
1: Um, no, we hadn't talked um, about the race at all. Um, but I knew, you know, I knew she was going for sub seventy as well. Obviously, uh, she was running next to me for a lot, a little bit behind me, and then at about fifteen k, I think she she surged a bit. I remember seeing her on my right. Um, but then she fell back and that, and then I didn't see her anymore, but I never looked behind me. And when I was running in that last 500 meters, I was like, keep pushing, like Rachel could come by you at any moment. And then it's not your, it doesn't matter if you're running, whatever you're running, it's not going to be your record. So
0: (laughs) yeah. Like uh, even if you break the record, if she breaks it on top of you, yeah,
1: Yeah. that had to be an added stress. Um, I don't know if I would call it an added stress. I would say it was a motivator. Oh, I love that. And look at you being positive. (laughs) Trying to be. It was, you know, I can say, yeah, I I did feel a bit of stress, but it was also something that was when I was hurting, I was like, no, you, this is your record today. You Mm -hmm. are getting the record today. And so I, I think maybe if she hadn't been in that race, I might not have pushed quite as hard in the last mile.
0: Wow, that's an incredible way to think about it. It's all Uh, mental. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Well, I'm sure that a good handful of people listening maybe have read Alphine's post about you pushing her along, which was like the sweetest thing ever. I'm going to read it. Alphine Tuliamak, who runs for Nazelite, um, she's been on the show. She's competing in the Olympic trials for the marathon here coming up soon in America. Um, but she says runners truly are incredible humans. Yesterday during the half, mi- last half mile of the Houston half, I was falling apart and getting passed from left and right. Then Tasha Wodak came by me and said, come on, let's go. We are going under 70 today. Her encouragement gave me some energy to keep fighting. Prior to this, I had only heard of Natasha and had never met her in person or knew what she looked like. Once I crossed the finish line, I looked at her and said, And she, for her, said my name, congratulated her and proceeded to ask her name. When she told me, I was like, you're a Canadian, right? I just read (laughs) that she set a pending Canadian half marathon record yesterday, despite probably slowing to try to help me. Thanks, girl. That was noble of you. That is so cool.
1: <laughs> oh, I know. I read her post. It was so sweet. Um, it made me feel really nice. But you know, honestly, I just—it just came natural. I mean, we were all in it together. We were fighting through the wind, and at one point, the wind actually almost knocked me off my feet, and I fell into Alephine. and bas- she basically like held me up, kind oh. of. Right? Oh. My gosh, I'm so sorry. And then we're we're going into that last, you know, that last bit, and. Sub-70, that's, you know, like, that's a big thing. And it's also a money bonus. It was mm. a $1,000 bonus for anyone that ran under sub-70. And you, you know, we'd worked so hard at that point. I thought if someone was running by me, I wouldn't mind a little encouragement. So that's so what I said. I said, we're going sub-70. And she, and I think she said something along, I can't. I think it was something like that. And I said, yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> So, because that's what I, I replay in my mind the the phrase yes you can on it, it it's something I have said over the last three years when I'm going through rough patch yes you can yes you can yes you can over and over again and so I just sort of shouted that at her <laughs> <laughs> yes you can you can yes you I mean yes you can it's 500 to go you can do it you can find another gear it is possible. And I'm so happy that she was able to get under sub 70 and 12 seconds under, and um, it was really cool. It was really nice for her to post that. It was.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's so nice. Yes, you can. All right. I think that a lot of people listening are going to take that with them on their next race. I love that. Mm-hmm. When I re-listened to. The uh, when I spot checked the episode when we last recorded in March, I noticed in my intro that I said your half marathon. I know you guys say PB, and I have a really hard time switching from PR to PB. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I said it was 71. So that's like a two and a half minute personal record out of you. And over the last three years, I just love to hear what you've been up to and um, what you've been doing to get so speedy in the half?
1: Uh, (laughs) um, Well, you know, maybe picking the right course, picking the right, you know, I mean, that race and that field that, you know, the elite athlete coordinator Nathan put together in Houston was one of the best in the world. I mean, you couldn't ask for better people to race and better conditions and a better course. So um, that helps that I've, I've picked that (laughs) <laughs> uh, Houston for the past three years where I've I've run fast. Um, I, I only ran one other half marathon last year, I believe here in Vancouver, which I think was a one eleven twenty or something like that. Um, I don't race a lot of half marathons. So when I do, um, I really kind of go all in. And so that's, I think why I'm seeing, you know, minute PBs sort of chunk at a time. Um, and just like the years and years of consistency and strength that I've built, um, you know, it, it 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 just, it showed last week, you know, I've been injury-free practically, you know, a few niggles for the past three years. And, and you know, I've, I've heard my, Jess O'Connell used to say, she's an Olympian here in Canada, whoever stays the healthiest, the longest runs the fastest. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think that just, you know, and and I'm happy and I'm settled and I've got a great support team. And I think mentally I'm in the best place I've ever been. And I went into the race, you know, fully believing and confident that I was going to run sub 70 and there wasn't going to be another that that was happening. Mm-hmm. And, and during the race, I really believed that. And when it got tough, I never stopped. You know, I was like, no, you're doing it today. Like keep pushing. And um, so I think mentally, you know, I've grown a lot over the last three years as well.
0: You've set a lot of record, like personal records over the last three years. I was looking through your website. Um, looks like in the 15, the 5,000, the 5k on the roads, like that's a lot. Um, talk to us about what your, how your support system has changed.
1: Yeah. So in last time we spoke in March, um, I was actually going through a coaching change in that exact month. So I switched coaches in March, 2017 to, um, a fabulous woman named Lynn Kanuka. She is our former Canadian record holder in the 1500 was just broken this year by Gabriella Stafford. She held the Canadian record for over 30 years in the 1500. She ran four minutes flat. Yeah. So. Uh, was incredible. And, you know, she, for 10K on the road, she still has the Canadian record, which is the exact same as my 10,000 meter on the track. 31. Yeah. Which yeah, you so hold that record. I do. yes. Yeah. So I'm going, I, I would love to get that road record, but I'm, <laughs> man, that's fast. So, um, yeah, I, you know, she, she's been a mentor of mine since I was young. Her cousin was my coach in high school. And so I always knew her and, And she's, you know, she's an elite athlete coordinator for a few races around here. So I reached out to her in March and I, you know, she didn't do a lot of high performance coaching because she's very busy um, with other jobs. She coaches some high school athletes. So she took me on as sort of a let's see what happens. And right away we were, it was like meant to be, we were, you know, she says we're kindred spirits and the way she was as an athlete, I think I am similar And, uh, so it just works Her training works for me. Um, Lynn is just the most optimistic, um, loving, caring, supportive woman. I'm so, so lucky to have her as my coach and as my friend, you know, when I am having a rough day, I I remember I went, got to practice and and I was doing my drills and strides and, and she came up and she's like, how are you today? And I just started crying. I was like, I'm just, Really having a rough go. I don't know what's going on, and she started crying too. You know, she's she's like, I know how you feel, and she knows she does. She's been, you know, she's been to the Olympics. She was third at the Olympics. She in the, you know, in the three thousand. She's been to the top of the world. She's done all the training. She knows the lows. She knows the highs, and so when I'm going through all these different emotions, I know she knows exactly how I feel, and so that has really helped to build the trust. And I trust her 100%. And she has helped me to stay injury-free and to be, you know, happy and healthy. And um, it's just been a fabulous uh, coaching-athlete relationship over the past three years.
0: Wow. I was just going to ask you, what are the qualities you look for in a coach? But you kind of just summed
1: it up, I think. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? Lynn is, you know, all these wonderful qualities, like, you know, motivating kind all these things but she really coaches you know when i'm when i'm out there and i'm having a a, you know like a hard time she'll say get your elbows in get your thumbs up like quick feet she's she's really on the ball at these sessions and giving me cues to work with um, that have made such a difference you know when i'm in these long sessions um she's you know saying One, two, one, two, one, two, get that rhythm and then concentrate on your arms right now. Pump those arms, like just the little things that, you know, I hadn't had a coach really give me these cues before. And it's amazing how much they help when I'm racing. And, um, yeah, she's just, she's just the best.
0: (laughs) So she's physically saying those things to you in workouts. And then you're, you're then thinking about it while you're racing too. Yes. Yeah. That is powerful because it is, especially when you're doing like a, a workout where you're doing intervals or something, it's like just easy to get sloppy and just to have someone like quickly telling you "Yeah, move, move, move. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, she's like, take that deep breath. Come on. Let me know things like that, that, that really help, you know? So instead of just being like, okay, you're up and starting the watch and stopping the watch. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Cause you, t- you talk to a lot of elites. It seems I do at least that also have coaches who are just not, physically present because they live elsewhere. So that's a really valuable aspect of having a coach that that can physically be there for a handful of your workouts.
1: Yeah, I mean, we don't do every workout together. Of course, Uh, we live about 45 minutes from each other. But I would say we meet once a week or every other week, depending on if I have a big race coming up for the key sessions. And she'll be there for the key sessions. So
0: okay, so you are an Olympian in the 10K, in the 2016 Olympics, you competed. And we kind of talked pretty pretty quick after that, within the year, last time. So what are your 2020 goals?
1: Well, I mean, obviously, I want to go to the Tokyo Olympics <laughs> at the top of the list. Uh, um, in I'd the like, 10K, I'm assuming? Yes, in the 10,000. Um, and along the way, you know, I'd love – I. Well, in order to go, I I need to smash my Canadian record. I mean, the Olympic standard is 31.25 and my PR is 31.41. So I ran 31.43 last year and I, I know I can get, I know I can get down there. So I really want to do that. Uh, hopefully at Peyton Jordan, we can get it done. Otherwise, I'm going to have to find another fast 10,000 and there's not many in the world. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. So, so uh, wait, explain this to me then. Uh, the standard is thirty-one twenty-five. That's what you have to run to even be considered for the team. Not necessarily. Okay,
1: so explain. Uh, yeah. So the IAAF, I guess now called World Athletics, has put in the standards that are all significantly faster in every event for the Olympics. Now, if you run the standard and you know qualify within your country's criteria, which in Canada is top three per event with standard, then you go. However, if you don't run the standard, they then go to your world ranking and they will fill every field, whatever the field size would be. So for the women's 10,000, it's 27 women. And so let's say only 16 women run the standard three per country. Are you following? Yes. Right, so then they fill the field based on your world ranking. So right now I'm ranked 21st in the world. Okay. So I am hoping that I can keep my ranking in that top 27. And the way it's not just about your time. So your world ranking is based on different events. So like winning Pan Am Games gold gave me a lot of points. Uh, Winning your national championship gives you a lot of points. Things like that to get get your points up. So I'm hoping that if I do not run the standard – um, I will still qualify based on my world rankings.
0: Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Because I was and, thinking, what did you run in 2016? And has the standard changed?
1: Oh yeah, I ran. Well, I qualified with a 31:41. Okay. Um, but the standard was 32:15. Oh <laughs> so, wow! Why has the standard yeah. changed so much? Well, they they dropped it for that reason they wanted they only want to fill the half of the field basically that's they anticipate only filling half the field of every event and then getting people in on their world rankings wow this is it's too made, complicated it's i know and it it's taken me a long time to figure out so i try to explain it to people in the easiest way possible but it is still quite confusing so I, I say that the only way I know for sure I'm going is to run that standard. So I'm going to go out and do my very best to run that standard. So
0: when's Peyton know. Jordan?
1: May eighth. May
0: eighth. Okay. And so, so do you have any other races lined up where you're going to try to get the standard? Is that the big, big goal? That's for Peyton Jordan. That's
1: big, yeah, that's the big goal. So,
0: did you always like? Are you ten thousand for life? Like, is that? 'Cause I know you've ran the one marathon or have you run more since then and I just don't know.
1: Nope. It's the one marathon. <laughs> in two
0: thousand thirteen you ran the two thirty five. Um uh, what what are your thoughts on the marathon? Or are you sticking to the track? Obviously you just did the half.
1: Uh <laughs> every once in a while I get that marathon bug and I I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I should do a marathon and then I talk to my coach and she's like, Okay, well this is what your training will look like and we'll be able to <laughs> of these races how do you feel about that no I don't want to do that because I loved race so um and also I'm very fragile I'm an extremely low mileage runner um I top out at 110k a week so for me it would be you know and she told me this she's like if you want to run a marathon your risk of injury is very high mm-hmm. and you're going to be doing a lot more cross training and to supplement the miles and I just don't think I didn't enjoy the training the first time around. I don't know how I would feel the second time around now that I'm older and in a better place in my life. But for now, I really enjoy being on the track and the training for the 10K and the half. I know eventually I will run another marathon. Um, I do want to see what I can run for that distance, um, but I don't see myself running one in the next year, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. So. 110 K that's, so that's 68 miles a week. Yeah. That would be, if you're trying to run marathons, they they would want you to run at least 30 more miles a week. And so you'd have to be in the pool or on the bike and yeah.
1: Yeah. Are you cross training at all now? Yeah. Um, so normally I run, I, that's my, I run about a hundred to 110 K and then I have about an additional two hours on the elliptical or pool.
0: What are your feelings versus cross-country versus track versus the roads? Like, what's your favorite?
1: Uh, You know what? I always used to say cross-country. And then I ran the World Cross-Country Championships in Denmark last spring. And it has tainted me for life. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about that experience. Oh, my gosh. It was so hard. It was so – it was – Like, I know everyone out there, if you follow cross-country, you would have seen pictures from the course or video. And it was just, oh, my goodness. They tried to make it, like, I feel like the devil designed that course. Like, (laughs) it was just so hard and so many hills and mud pits and water pits and sand pits. Like, there's this hill. It was, like, going up a roof for, like, 100 meters. And at at the very, very top, they put a sand pit. Like who thinks of this It was just it was and you had to it was ten K, so it was, you know, five loops of this course and after two K I was already anaerobic and I was like, there's no way that I can finish. And I was like, okay, you know, if you start slipping, you know, into like eightieth spot, you can drop out. But I stayed in like between forty and fiftieth the entire race. I was like, Well and I realized I was like, you know, you're still ahead of like almost all the American girls, like if you, and all of the Canadians except one, I'm like, so everyone else feels exactly the same <laughs> way you do. Like everyone else is suffering. Like, yeah, it was, it was, but I mean, if you look at the pictures, my face is just scrunched in all of them. Like <laughs> and my parents were there and my mom's like, we felt so bad for you. You just looked like you were in so much pain the whole time. I'm like, yeah, I was. So it was, it was rough. And, you know, afterwards, um, my coach was there. She was actually the team coach for, the world cross team. And, and she was like, Oh, that was awful. <laughs> she's like, she's like, if I asked you right now, if, if the course was here next year, if you would do it, we were all like, no. <laughs> oh my gosh. That sounds so miserable. Hard so to- And we, like, I didn't train properly for it. So that was basically my own fault. But I mean, how do you train for that in, you know, in, in March in Vancouver, you know, you're, you're not really going to be searching out mud pits and things like that. So, um, yeah, but it is, I like cross country cause it's a team sport. So that's, that is fun. But I would say now I'm, I'm, I like the roads. I do. I like the roads.
0: Is that the hardest race you've ever done?
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Oh man. Well, I love that you, you mentioned that it's a team sto- sport because as much as running can feel team ish when you're on the road or on the track, you're, you know, you're fighting for yourself. Now, I I also wanted to bring up, I mentioned to you in an email that I had interviewed Melindy too, and you were like, she's a legend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I'd love to talk about your relationship with her and just the other women who are representing your country. Do you train with any of them? What does that look like?
1: Yeah, so a lot, you know what? A lot of us train, we have different coaches and, and we train alone. But for example, um, about three weeks ago, I met up with Dana Piterowski who won our Canadian championships and is going to the Olympics for Canada in the marathon. Oh, nice. Um, so we're good friends. We live about half an hour from each other. We have separate coaches. Um, and Emily Setlack, another Canadian who who ran 111.40 last weekend, she has a different coach, but she's training in Vancouver. So the three of us met up and did a workout together, which was really awesome. I mean, it's really cool that three Competitors with three different coaches can get together and work together in a workout. And that's just, you know, an example. I mean, Shalea Kip, you know, an American, I'm sure you guys know her and I'm Olympian in the steeplechase. Mm -hmm. Uh, She lives in Vancouver and she's come out and done some workouts with me, which has been really awesome. And we do easy runs together. Melindy lives about four hours from me, um, but I was in where she lives in Kelowna in the summer. We got together and did a workout together. She was in Vancouver in November. We did a long run together. It's really nice that, you know, we all message each other when we're in each other's cities and get together and run. Uh, Sarah Inglis, the Scottish girl that I ran with, uh, she ran one ten twenty, which is the th- third fastest Scottish time ever. Um, she and I train together quite a bit. Again, have different coaches, but our coaches will email each other and sometimes get our sessions to to work together. So, I mean, it's just... It's really cool. And especially being a runner in Vancouver, I mean, there's so many women to work out with and to run with. And, um, you know, we're all constantly getting together for long runs and things like that. So, and we inspire each other and work together. I mean, I'm incredibly inspired by Melindy. I've been racing her since we were 14 years old. Um, We're both from the same province. So I remember racing her at like BC high school championships. And she just was always so good. And I was like, oh, (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> what do you think you've learned most about yourself and racing since we last talked?
1: Uh wow. That's a, that's a deep question. Going deep,
0: <laughs> Natasha.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um that I'm a lot tougher than I realized. Um I think that my workouts are good have been a bit better, but I think that the difference has really been my mental ability to stay strong in a race and to believe in myself and to be confident and just also like having more, being happy in my life in general, um, having more balance, um, not worrying about um, so much about what I'm what the scale says, um, Mm. and just eating and, uh, fueling myself as my body needs, not what I, not what I think it should look like, um, has made a big difference. I mean, I didn't look at the scale before Houston until after, and I was, I think five or six pounds more than I was when I raced in Doha and I felt so incredibly strong. And I'm like, it doesn't matter what the freaking scale says. Like, So I hope that that can be like, you know, to the young girls out there, uh, throw that scale out the window and uh, eat and, and drink what your body needs. Um, so I feel like those are some of the things that have made a big difference in, in the last three years to why I'm running well and why I'm happy. And, um, yeah. And, you know, also one other thing is like, you know, I've been getting support from Athletics Canada for the past three years, so I haven't had to work. Um, That's made a big difference. I've been able to devote myself 100% to my training. And before, I was always serving three to four days a week. So I think that was really hard on my body. And so now I'm able to just train full-time.
0: Wow. I didn't know you were serving three to four (laughs) days a week until the last three years. Whoa. Yeah. And that's like – man, I was a waitress in college. Like that is on
1: your feet. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Exhausting.
1: Yeah. I guess I got used to it. I'd been, you know, I'd just been doing it since I was 19. And so you kind of are just used to it, I guess. I don't know how else to put it. And, and now I think I realized like it was really causing a lot of, um, exhaustion and, Maybe you know some contributing to injuries because I, was, I wasn't recovering properly. Right.
0: So. Yeah. Oh my goodness. For sure. Um, this might be a silly question, but why are you? Three years ago, were you just starting to get support from Athletics Canada?
1: Oh boy, <laughs>
0: <laughs> we had I mean, a whole other podcast for that. You were in a 2016 Olympian.
1: Yes, in to, in 2015, um, I set the Canadian record. Um and qualified for the Olympics and went to the world championships and I did not get carding that year. I did not get funded. It was it was really upsetting and I um Wow. And there was just all these different you know, back back in that time with Athletics Canada their criteria was written in a certain way and you got points in a certain way and I I didn't qualify based on the fact that I ran fast in the spring and didn't run fast at world championships. They looked at that and said that I didn't improve and things like that. You know, it was crazy. It was really crazy. It was really upsetting because I was like, I don't know what else I can do. I mean, I set a Canadian record. I qualified for the Olympics, yet I'm not going to get carded. So um, the criteria has since changed and um, I have qualified every year since 2017. So that's been very helpful. Um, but it was, it was hard um, not getting any funding for so long. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I mean, it it just feels limiting too. I mean, you could have, I mean, people could have jobs, I guess, that don't require them to be on their feet at all, but you're really setting yourself up for more success if you can get more rest.
1: Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I could you know, like a lot of I do think it's important to have balance and sure. not just all running. So I am very busy, like I volunteer on the side, and i'm I'm very busy in my social life, like buzzing around. so I keep keep a lot going, but I think if you're just you know, running, coming home, watching Netflix all day, going further on coming home, and doing nothing but running and resting, like you're gonna get obsessed and things I just think there needs to be balance. I think it's very important. and you know, probably. Melindy said, you know, look at Melindy's life. I mean, she's crazy busy and um, she got it done. So (laughs)
0: yeah, for sure. Um, When you mentioned the scale and not weighing yourself and being a little bit heavier, which you didn't even realize till after the fact, is that something you struggled with in your younger years, like body image? And I know it's getting talked about a ton right now with Mary Kane's story coming out about her coaching experience with Alberto Salazar. So I'm just curious if you experienced anything like that.
1: Yeah. You know, obviously it's a big issue in women's running. Um, What you, your body size and all this stuff. And, you know, I've actually been very fortunate that from the very beginning of my career, um, I've always had been surrounded by really good coaches that have never Mm. um, said I needed to be a certain size, which is, which is nice. But, I've, I've never really, um, I've really been lucky with the fact that I, I can eat a lot of what I want to eat and I don't have issues with my weight. Like I, I tend to just lean out at the right time of the year, sort of naturally I drop out some sugar, uh, wine and, and the chocolate and things like that. Hmm. Um, and it just seems to, to work for me. Um, but I did, you know, before Doha, um, I became a little bit obsessed with what I, where I thought I needed to be. You know, I was like, I need to be a hundred hundred to 102 pounds. I need to be 10% body fat to 11% body fat. And I had these numbers in my head that that was my race weight. And, you know, I was a hundred and I, I was at 104, 104. And I wasn't getting to where I wanted to be. And, that's crazy. Who cares? <laughs> it like what's wrong with you? And like, it's, you know, and I know a lot of other female runners out there can probably understand, like when you're in that, you know, two or three weeks out from a race, everything matters. You're just so into it. And so every little thing you think matters. And so I was like, can I have that piece of chocolate? Should I do this? Should I do that? And it just becomes stressful. And I didn't like that. And my coach has amazing Lynn's like stop it you know like you look great you're so strong I don't care I don't care she's always like I don't care she's like your body will be what it needs to be you know you just you eat nutritious food and if you want to have that glass of wine you have that glass of wine right and so she came to the training camp um and did not like that I had where what I was saying and how I was acting and she was like I want you to just relax you're in great shape, and who cares? And so it was really nice for her to come and do that. But I did realize when I got home that I needed to relax on that kind of stuff and that, you know, there is not a perfect race weight for me. I race great at 101, and I race great at 108. Um, So, you know, I need to just back up on that and, and trust that my fitness is – is where it needs to be. And my body is where it needs to be, no matter what the scale says.
0: Yeah. It sounds really refreshing that you let it go. Like it feels
1: like a big, did it feel like a big weight off this buildup over the holidays? Like weight yeah. off your shoulders. Yeah. I mean, not like yeah. Yeah. weight. It did. It, yeah. And uh, you know, I, I try not to get wrapped up in that stuff, but it is, it's hard in this sport. You know, it really is, you know, looking at everybody. And when you see someone run really fast, you're like, Oh, well, does my body need to look like that to run fast? You know what I mean? So you wow, just got to wow. do your own thing, stick to your own plan and do what works for you. And it's, it's you know, it works for me. It's starting to. <laughs> that's
0: pretty powerful, Natasha. I mean, you've been in this game for a really long time and to hear you coming to that in the last three years, like that's that's pretty powerful.
1: Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's a mental thing too. And just, you know, like not everyone's body Needs to look a certain way to run fast. Yep. It's it is absolutely the truth, and you can look at all the different women out there running. You know, stand us all on the start line, and and you wouldn't be able to tell by looking at a certain person's body how fast they're going to run. You know, we all come in and different shapes and sizes. Yeah, you need you know you do need to be strong and and lean to to run these ten thousands, but that doesn't mean you need to be a hundred pounds versus hundred and ten. So I really believe that this that you know like. The scale is not our friend.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Um, even even for us non-professional runners, I we have a scale in our house, and it's because of my husband. I
1: don't know why he likes to weigh himself, but he does. Oh, yeah. My <laughs> partner's the same. There's a scale in our bathroom, and I try to avoid it at all costs. And I do remember, though, right before the race, it was like two weeks before, you know, I came out of the shower, and he's like, you're looking really lean. And, um, you know, I was like, Oh, I, I don't feel like I've lost any weight. And I, you know, I, I hadn't. So <laughs> I just, I guess I just gained a bit of muscle, which is great to know that, you know, when I got, when I did weigh myself, I was like, Oh, awesome. Like I, I just, I leaned out, but I guess it was just strength, which is cool. You know? So
0: yeah. Did you add in, have you added in different strength routine?
1: No, I'm actually working starting with a new strength trainer today. Oh, cool. I'm excited about! But no, I think it might have just been like the intensity of my workouts picked up. I I was you know just running a lot and doing I you know working like crazy and who knows what it was and I didn't I didn't um, drop anything out of my diet this time around. You know it was the holidays. I enjoyed um, so it was nice. And I think if I had maybe weighed myself and and it had said like oh, you're not where you think you should be. It would have maybe gotten in my head.
0: Well, that's awesome. It sounds like you're in a happy place with it. I'm I'm really happy to hear that. Uh, Natasha.
1: <laughs> yes. Let's,
0: I am interviewing another Natasha right after this. Um, Natasha Rogers.
1: Ah, yes. I have heard of her. Yes.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because it's not like it's a super common name. Uh, but I have heard it too. So let's go ahead and wrap up with the end of the podcast questions. Okay. Um, and I did go back and check to see how they have changed and some were the same and, and I had a couple different ones. So we'll just ask you the different ones now. What is something professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet?
1: I would like to host, um, women's only run retreats <gasps> here in Denver.
0: Oh, yeah. Nice
1: my coach. Yeah, we've been talking about it. And I think it would be really awesome. Well, she sounds like a wonderful person
0: to partner up with to do that.
1: Yeah. And she, you know, she teaches um, all across the province, um, learn to run clinics and coaches lots of women on the side as well. So she's, and we both like to drink wine. So it'd be (laughs) fun. We'll come to Vancouver. We'll take you for some runs and then we'll hang out and have some nice Canadian wine. And there will
0: be no scales at the retreat. No scales. <laughs> no scales. What's an
1: accomplishment you're most proud of? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, the last weekend stands out um, mm-hmm. simply because I had that that goal for so long and I was unwavering in my commitment to it. And I, I went out and I got it done. And I'm really, I'm really proud of myself for um, accomplishing the goal that, I set out and, and also probably getting that gold medal at Pan Am games was really exciting. It's my first global medal. Um, I've been on 17 national teams to so to finally get on, you know, the podium was really um, surreal and amazing and special.
0: Yeah. We glazed over that. We didn't talk about it. I have it in my notes, 2019 Pan Am champion. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was just everything worked out great. Um, I ran my race plan. Rachel took the race out super hard, which shocked me. I had no idea she was going to run so hard. And, um, you know, I waited till the end and just put that kick in with four years to go. And I was, you know, I came out on top. It was it was very exciting. And my parents were actually there in Peru. So I got to celebrate with them. And it was uh, it was pretty cool. Definitely cool.
0: <laughs> Would you say kicking like the last stretch? Is that a strength of yours?
1: Over the last two years, Lynn and I have worked really hard on that kick, and it is definitely uh, a strength of mine now. Yeah, I can seem to pull out a really good last 400 no matter how tired I am. So,
0: What are your tips for increasing your uh, ability to
1: kick well? you got to practice. If you don't do it in training, you're not going to do it in a race. So um, we'll do a workout, and then Lynn will throw in a like basically last 400 go hard, hard as you can. Um, so right you know, you think you're done the workout and then it's like, oh my gosh. And it's, it was amazing to see what I could do at the end of a hard workout. And that gave me the confidence going into these races to know, Hey, remember that time you ran a 64 at the end of that really hard workout? Well, you can do that today or you can do that, you know? So if you do it in training, it'll give you the confidence to do it in a race.
0: Oh, that's good. And so you don't know it's coming and she's just like, oh, by the way, now you're going to do this.
1: Well, I do, I do usually know that it's coming, but you know, when you're, you know, you're doing, let's say eight by a K or whatever, you don't remember you have a 400. (laughs) I I always seem to forget. And then she's like, you have a 400 still. I'm like, oh yeah. Oh, this is going to be really fun. Yeah. I actually really do like the, um, the last 400. It's always, it's always fun to see what you can do at the end. So, and you know, it's over. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I like the pain. Yeah. Okay. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is why you're good at running the 10k uh what is your one message to send to the world
1: um be relentless um never give up on your passion if if it's something that you love and you're you know stay focused and work hard towards it and um just you know love what you do and if you're not loving it then then change something you know <laughs> you know just enjoy life. Life is short and surround yourself with positive, loving people and, and life will be good. Here we go.
0: <laughs> Great job. <laughs> that, was an awesome, that was awesome. Uh, summation there that you just did. I love that.
1: <laughs> I feel like I took a bunch of quotes and stuck them all into that little paragraph. It's, <laughs> a, no <laughs> it's a high pressure question, honestly, because it's like, well, what, the, my one message you know it life is short it and is. you never know what's gonna happen so make the most of it and it, really do surround yourself with good people and uh just be kind and karma is 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 there so be kind and good things will happen to you you know i really do believe that and i think i hope you do too
0: <laughs> for sure go encourage someone at the end of your race <laughs> There, exactly yeah so. Yeah. And I was rewarded with a PB, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Okay. Well, Natasha, thanks for catching up with me again. And, you know, I don't have too crazy a high number of people who are returning guests. So it's been really fun to have you be one
1: of those people. I feel honored. Thank <laughs> you for having me back.
0: All right. Well, I'll send you an email when this is coming out and um, enjoy your strength training session today. Oh,
1: thank you. <laughs> nice <laughs> chatting with you. You too. Bye-bye. Okay.
0: Bye. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Congratulations, Natasha. I am so happy for you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Again, you guys can find Natasha on Instagram. She is Tasha Wodak over there. You can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. You can find me on Twitter at lindsayhine, and you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine where we have a group as well. Definitely join the group because that is where The fun is there's lots of great community over there. Lots of people asking questions and supporting one another. And we also casually read a book together once a month. It's a really fun place to hang out. Links to all of that will be in the show notes at lindseyhine.com. Don't forget to check out the other podcast in the Sandy Boy Network, the Up and Running Podcast and the Illuminate Podcast. And you can find all the information on Sandy Boy Shows on our Instagram page, Sandy Boy Productions. All right. Have a really great rest of your week, everybody. And as always, we'll see you on Friday.